Lord, thank you for this opportunity to um, talk about how you have guided me and um, my journey through faith. And um, thank you for this opportunity to have this um, time of learning and um, um, exploring this aspect of um, learning about others' faith and um, using that as a means of loving your neighbor as yourself. And um, thank you for um, giving me the words that you will be giving me <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, and um, help me to speak rightly and truly um, and um, to magnify you in, um, in our conversation. Um, in the name of God, the merciful, the compassionate. Amen. <laughs> Amanda. All right. And welcome, friends, to Belief Beat, a podcast out of Unity Lutheran Church in Brookville, Wisconsin, where we have such a fascinating and diverse array of conversations uh, with people that matter about things that matter. And today, we are very honored to have with us Amanda Dewabshe, who uh, has come to us from our partner congregation, ISM Brookfield, the local mosque near us. And she is coming to teach us all things about Ramadan. Now, Amanda, we are super glad to have you here. Thanks for being here. This is kind of a silly time to do this podcast as you actually have just finished celebrating Ramadan. So it would have been much better if we did it before you started. Um, but at least speaking for me, someone who doesn't have any close friends who are Muslim practicing and I'm just so fascinated to learn more. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. While the timing, like compared to Ramadan, might not make sense, it actually is kind of cool timing in your life um, because tomorrow, right, is your five-year anniversary of your declaration of faith and becoming a Muslim. So congratulations. That's a really cool faith milestone to be reaching. And you actually were raised in the Christian church, right? I was. Yep. Oh, I was, man. I was a hardcore Christian for what some time. Fascinating story. So um, tell us a little bit about how that transition happened for you. Tell us about your first Ramadan, because it started like right after you officially became a Muslim, right? That's like the first thing you did. Yep. So what, tell us what you remember about that first Ramadan. I remember being so clueless. I <laughs> felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I had just done this major life change and was starting this new uh, phase in my journey of discovering God and discovering what uh, I believe about the world and about spiritual things and about myself. And so I did my declaration of faith, which is called the Shahada in uh, Islam. And two, two and a half weeks later, Ramadan started. And so I was kind of thrown in and um, I did have some people say, oh, you know, it's fine if you don't fast, but I felt like, no, I really should try and kind of conquer this almost fear because 
you hear these things about oh you know you're you're not eating for like 17 18 hours and you can't even have water and you have these ideas of what it's gonna look like and what it's gonna be like and I was terrified to do it and thinking I'm gonna fail God and he's gonna be so mad at me and (laughs) you know he's gonna you know think I'm a loser and so um to I I just kind of started I decided you know I'm just gonna do it and I'm just gonna try and I'm gonna do my best and um go from there because why not (laughs) that's the only way we can do anything right at some point we gotta just jump in and and so what was it like was it terrible was it super hard it was not um and I always get such baffled looks when I say that um it really does um you know it's uncomfortable certainly uh it's not just oh it's a breeze you know like it's it's supposed to be uncomfortable to some extent and um but you know certainly you're you're doing something for God you're doing something because God told you to do it and you're doing it to honor him and he does help you and it is not as terrifying as it sounds (laughs) um so I remember you know that first day or two is what or was especially um as my very first time doing it kind of nerve-wracking and oh, I feel kind of hungry and my stomach feels weird because I haven't eaten for a long time but I remember getting to the end of the day and sunset happened and I you know had my you know water to drink or whatever and was thinking oh that wasn't so bad I I could do that um I can manage that and I did I fasted through the whole month and Um, It was right in the heart of summer when the days are the longest and it's hottest. And I got through the month and I thought, you know, if I could do it then, I can do it every year. I can do it anytime. So, um, you know, I've been doing that ever since. Wow. Oh, there's so many things I want to ask you about. But just starting with the detail, you mentioned it being summer. Ramadan moves around on the secular calendar right and so it's is it it's hardest when it's in summer because the days are longer that's my opinion personally (laughs) no that makes Um, tons of sense I never thought of that yeah yeah um so as we've so like you mentioned the month moves around um during the Gregorian calendar the solar calendar the one that we base our um our kind of worldwide calendar on, you know, January, February. Um, So the lunar calendar goes by the phases of the moon, right? So um, the lunar calendar is actually slightly shorter than the solar calendar. So it's only 354 days. Um, So every year, Ramadan ends up moving about 11 days earlier. Earlier, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then tell us about, you said now, all of you who are listening, you should know Amanda's in education. So she made us flashcards, <laughs> bless your heart. And so one of them, she showed me, I just learned that the meal where you break the fast each day is called iftar. Mm-hmm. That right. So tell us about iftar. What, what do you remember from that first? Oh, she's showing me her flashcards. That's so awesome. <laughs> from your first year 
practicing Ramadan, what was the what were those iftars like? So I came at it from a very kind of American perspective because that's where I grew up here and that's what I knew. And um, <clears throat> I remember hearing about before I started doing it hearing about these all you know iftars are these huge feasts and it's like Thanksgiving every night and you have all this rice and biryani and chicken and makhluba and you know all these like very fancy heavy foods and I'm like I don't know how to make any of that <laughs> so I'm gonna start <laughs> with you know chicken noodle soup and um you know a bowl of fruit and um that ended up being really good for me personally because um you know after fasting not eating anything not drinking anything for 15 16 17 hours your stomach has shrunk it really can't handle a bunch of heavy food or at least mine can't I guess some people can um and so that ended up being much easier for me to handle and also made it a lot easier for me to manage the meal because you know I'll have something light I'm satisfied for a while and then I have the time to go make something you know like you know teriyaki chicken and rice <laughs> or you know like some of these other like American things that I know how to make um, but you know smaller portions certainly you know lighter um, and that's what worked for me. And um, that was pretty much my entire first Ramadan was um, these sorts of meals. You know, occasionally I would have, you know, the pizza iftar and, you know, those sorts of things. But um, largely it was very quiet, light, um, healthy, nutritionally um, good uh, meals to eat in this time where um food is kind of scarce <laughs> right on purpose but um and then at some point in those fat past five years you married a Palestinian I did this it. change your well either well either your food experience in Ramadan or just your practice in general kind of um I feel like his changed more than mine because we did still continue having this habit of having you know a salad or a soup or something light to break the fast and then after that you know maybe having some um you know lamb and rice or like you know something a little more <clears throat> from like his side of the family where you know it's more like a Palestinian dish um and you know certainly we do in general mix having um Palestinian and American dishes um, but especially in Ramadan um, I feel like we <clears throat> do tend to you know keep to that idea of having the lighter stuff and then moving on to maybe some heavier stuff um, smaller portions you know kind of that same idea um, which is a little bit more in keeping with the spirit of the month in that um, we are remembering the poor and we are uh, you know focusing on um, you know going back to the basics and not uh, you know having all these extra like trappings and um, 
extravagance, but really kind of focusing on the core of our faith and on, you know, the core of what our body needs and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So that to me, you know, from my Christian and Lutheran perspective, that sounds so much like Lent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the traditions you grew up in Baptist and Assembly of God, I don't know that they practice so much Lent, but like for us, Lent is, you know, 40 days. Mm -hmm. Dates move around, but sometime in the spring-ish. Um, and not a lot of people fast anymore, but traditionally that has been part of Lent. Certainly collecting offerings for people who are poor is a huge part of Lent. And just that idea of being like, kind of clearing away um, extra clutter and distractions from your life so you can give a little bit more intentional focus to your faith mm -hmm. like that that sounds very similar to our practice so tell us um, I know you said this year you actually made a point of going on social media and, and putting together a post about what this time means to you so tell us a little bit about what you shared in that now now that you've got five of them under your belt <laughs> you're a seasoned Muslim what does this mean <laughs> a seasoned practitioner what what does this time what does it mean to you I love Ramadan for so many reasons but um very similar to what you said and it's actually funny you said it because even though like growing up in these traditions that don't have this period of formal fasting as a teenager and a young adult even as a Christian I started observing Lent which was really weird in my community um, <laughs> that I would, they're like, what are you doing? Like, that's not what we do. But like, it was something I felt like I should do and that would be beneficial for me. And like you said, it was this time of cleansing and um, Ramadan has kind of become that uh, certainly for me as well, where, um, you know, as humans, we love complicating things and we love making things way more outrageous than they need to be, right? And, um, you know, I find that what's happening in my body is also happening in my mind and in my heart and in my soul, where, you know, I have this extended period of fasting where my body is very quick to realize that, hey, this is a time of scarcity. Um, I'm going to get rid of all these sugar cravings because I have a ridiculous sweet tooth. And um, those cravings, for the most part, disappear because it's not useful for my body. And so my body's like very clear about, I need this to continue functioning optimally in this time where there is scarcity. And um, I find that also at the same time my um you know any like mental or emotional baggage that I'm carrying around also becomes much easier to let go of that you know I don't need to carry this around so just just drop it and um spiritually that it's this time where we really focus in on the Quran and many Muslims around the world <clears throat> will make it a goal to read the whole Quran during the month of Ramadan. And so it becomes this time of really focusing in on the word of God and what did he tell us and what was this gift that he gave us 
um, it's also this time where we focus in on charity and do try to do more charity um, and have this almost forced empathy for the poor that you know we're going through this time of feeling in our bellies in our core what it means to be hungry and what it means to not have access to water and so or rather we have access to it we're choosing not to do it right but then it gives us this perspective that hey there are people who are fasting quote unquote but not voluntarily there are people who don't truly have access to clean water, even in this very country. And what that means, what that does to you. You know, I work in a school and we talk about this idea of, oh, when children are hungry, um, you know, if they're experiencing food insecurity, you know, they may have trouble concentrating, they may fall asleep in class. And you feel that firsthand that when it starts getting into the second half of the day and you're struggling to concentrate on your work and you're struggling to you just want to like take a nap and um you know you have these experiences that give you this new perspective that hey there are people living like this and it is my responsibility personally to help as much as I can and to rally my community to help as much as we can to alleviate these problems. And we know that, I mean, then we see that as we look at the Islamic communities around us, we see how much you guys all do to support people who are hungry and just to support people in need in the community. So clearly, yeah, clearly that, that kind of bodily practice of empathy it, it just becomes such a core part of who you are which is which is awesome I wanted to lift up something you said you know before we started recording um, which is this also is something similar to Lent where when pe people often we have kind of like a PR problem with Lent where people think it's like this horrible like depressing um, <laughs> you know where you're like punishing yourself for your crimes kind of time. And it's like, oh, <laughs> something like that. And you said that, that, that's something that uh, also in Islam that people are like, oh, why is God torturing these poor people? So, um, and, and you did, I mean, you did own, like it is uncomfortable. It's supposed to be uncomfortable, but tell us about, um, tell us about some of the, like some of the joy that you find in this practice? Sure. Um, so like I had mentioned before, um, it is kind of this cleansing time where you can kind of shed these extra burdens that you're carrying. Um, for me, you know, personally, my experience is also involving shedding some pounds because I'm um, not, you know, not eating as much and doing the whole like soup and salad pre-meal pre sort of thing, you know, um, it is, I will say though, it is common for Muslims to gain weight during Ramadan because um, some people kind of end up gorging um, after sunset. Um, so, you know, it happens. Um, 
I personally feel sick when I do that. So I try not to, um, but you know, I personally, um, feel that, you know, it's this cleansing time, um, many cases, you know, certainly la the last couple of years with the pandemic, it hasn't been as much, but it's this very communal time. Um, mm -hmm. Many people spend a lot more time at the mosque, um, over at other people's houses for iftar. Um, there's special prayers that you do at the mosque or at home even um, during Ramadan. You're having this like extra special focused time on worship and um it has a very special feeling and a very like pure feeling I guess uh, and you know you have also this time of extra charity where you really push to um remember those less fortunate than you and um kind of step outside yourself almost because you know we have this tendency as humans to just be very selfish and you know it's about what I want to eat and what I want to do and my work my problems and in Ramadan I find it's a lot easier to step away from that and say okay there are bigger problems there are other people and I need to um be there for them in a different way than maybe I'm doing and it is a joy to do that it's not this like oh I have to do this it's a pleasure and um you know that uh some of the I don't want to say the magic of Ramadan but some the the reason part of the reason why it's special I guess yeah yeah well just thinking of I love seeing what a role this has played in your life and just the rhythms of your year. And it sounds like that was that kind of intentionality and structure, like you were seeking that out even before you found Islam, um, mm -hmm. which is, I just think speaks to something inside of all of us that looks for those rhythms, those um, periods of feasting and fasting and, and everything they can teach us. Mm -hmm. um, I, do you have, it's okay if you don't, but is there, are there any, any moments that stand out to you of um, either like really special moments during Ramadan or ending Ramadan or, or any, any aha moments or, or just um, times that you're going to remember associated with this holy month? Um, I think this past Ramadan was really interesting in that I had a new experience or a new type of experience I guess um, so I think I've mentioned during this recording I work at a school and the school that I work at has um, a significant population of students who are Muslim uh, many of them are refugees from <clears throat> elsewhere in the world and we had this accommodation for them that I, call, I I called it the Ramadan room and um, you know I think actually it may have been called that before I even came to the school but uh, regardless it was um, 
this room in the school where fasting students could go so that they didn't have to go into the cafeteria and smell all the food and watch all their friends eat. And so we had students anywhere from third grade to eighth. And it was this time of, um, um, you know, just listening to them because some of them were so chatty and they just wanted to be with somebody who was also fasting and who knew what it was like and um, ask their questions about fasting and talk about their families and what they were doing and who was going to be there and um, you know having being able to just experience that with them and walk through the month with them and See how they did it as kids because I didn't grow up Muslim so I never had those experiences of doing that as a child um, but um, being able to kind of see it through their eyes and to be a resource for them and to celebrate with them and talk about the hard times where you know I feel really hungry right now mm -hmm. and just being able to say like I know I get it just like if you want to just put your head down for 10 minutes like it will pass just you know hang on and um to be able to kind of go through those highs and lows with them was something really special for me and something I will carry with me for a long time the Ramadan room <laughs> oh, awesome and what a cool gift to have that community in, in the mix of ages you know we always talk about in church how the magic math of community is that mm -hmm. joys are doubled when you share them and sorrows are half when you share them. And I can see how this would, like the community like that would make Ramadan both more joyful, but make the great parts more joyful and the hard parts more doable. Mm -hmm. As you have that whole mix together. Oh, thank you for being there for those kids too. It does make me think about um, how anybody who is a practicing Muslim in an area where there aren't many other Muslims around them, that would be that'll be really tough. Mm -hmm. And maybe kind of along that line, we're, we're just about out of time, but maybe could you just tell us, um, you know, you actually grew up right down the street from our <laughs> church on Pilgrim. Do you have any wisdom for us uh, if we are, is there anything we should do or say or know when we're around our Muslim friends during Ramadan? Like, should we not eat in front of them? How can we, how can we be supportive? Um, yeah, how do we be good neighbors during your holy month? Sure. So, um, and it, it's interesting that you bring up the not eating in front of uh, Muslims while they're fasting. Um, generally, we actually don't mind. Um, you know, our goal is, um, you know, to kind of continue doing what you normally do. Um, kind of similar along the lines of you know what Jesus uh spoke in Matthew when he said you know when you're fasting don't like look somber and you know make it obvious right. that you're fasting but you know just kind of do what you normally do and um that is kind of our goal however <laughs> um it is um it does make it a little bit easier um if you don't also have to deal with you know, hearing chips crunching while someone's eating them, <laughs> and, you know, oh, like it does take a little bit of, uh, 
a little extra, um, I don't want to say burden, but, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. And, um, you know, we, we love in non-pandemic times, we love like having people over and sharing food. So, um, you know, certainly, um, it's, uh, you know, it don't feel like you have to refuse if somebody invites you over for iftar, um, you know, even if you're not Muslim, you're not fasting, we, we don't care. Um, <laughs> we just want to be able to celebrate with you. Um, and I would say the other thing, which might even be the most uh, pressing thing would be, you know, if you're having, you know, a working lunch or, you know, you typically take a coffee break in the afternoon or, you know, want to go out after work, um, just understand that during this month, like, we're not, like, rejecting you. We're not, um, you know, trying to be, like, standoffish or anything like that. It's just we can't partake, and um, we don't want to sit somewhere where we're watching everybody else partake. Um, and a lot, half the time, we want to go home and take an afternoon nap because we want to sleep, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, um, so maybe instead of, you know, asking if people want to do a lunch break, maybe we go for a walk together or something. Sure. During okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. And how do we, how do we properly greet people during, like, what do you say during Ramadan? Do you say like blessed Ramadan or... Oh, so that is the the translation, basically. Um, you could say blessed Ramadan, happy Ramadan. Uh, if you really wanted to step it up a level, um, you could do the Arabic, which would be, uh, there, so there's two phrases. One is Ramadan Mubarak, which is Ramadan blessed Ramadan. Mubarak. Yep, yep. And then the, Ramadan yep. Mubarak. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is Ramadan Karim. Ramadan Karim. Mm -hmm. And that's generous Ramadan. Ramadan. Generous Ramadan. I like that Ramadan. <laughs> well, I was just look poking at our calendar while we were talking. So next year, April, it's like the month of April is Ramadan. Mm -hmm. So we, we will be ready to say Ramadan Mubarak. Yep. And what's the other one? Ramadan Karim. Ramadan Karim. Okay. <laughs> ready. Well, we're almost out of time, but I... Uh, wondered if you would share, you had a verse from the Quran that really um, kind of captured some of the meaning. So I wondered if we could use our last few minutes to hear from your holy scriptures um, and just uh, anything else you wanted to share from your, your flashcards and just your nuts and bolts of Ramadan. <laughs> sure, absolutely. So um, this is chapter two um, in uh, the Quran. We call our chapters surahs. So it's surah two verse 185 and it goes the month of ramadan is that in which the quran was caused to descend because we believe that um the quran started coming down the revelation started coming down during the month of ramadan which is why we celebrate it um so uh in which the quran was caused to descend a guidance for humanity and clear portents of the guidance and the criterion between right and wrong so whoever of you bore witness to the month then formal fasting, and whoever had been sick or on a journey, then a period of other days. God wants ease for you and wants not hardship for you, so that you perfect the period and that you magnify God because he guided you so that perhaps you will give thanks. Hmm. 
And I love this verse because um, it does explain some of the what of Ramadan. So, you know, who can fast, who can, you know, make up for it other days, um, but also a big bulk of the why of Ramadan, that this is why you're doing this. Not, it's not to torture you. It's not to make you miserable. It's so that you remember what you have, that you worship god in this time and that you are thankful in this time that is beautifully said amanda and i love that phrase god wants ease for you mm-hmm. and not just for you but for everyone mm-hmm. exactly you're going to spend a month um working on making that so which is just fabulous well we are just about out of time um, are there any last any any last things you wanted to get in <laughs> um, make sure that we know before we sign off. Um, I think that's about everything. Okay. So thank you so much for having me and letting me talk and talk about <laughs> about our special time of year and um, you know, share that with your community. Absolutely. And on behalf of all of our podcast listeners, thank you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your journey. And we wish you blessings, uh, especially tomorrow as you celebrate this five-year anniversary of your faith. Uh, We pray that the next five years will be even more full of learning and growing and blessing others as you continue to grow in your faith. Thank you for sharing with us. Thanks all of you for tuning in to this week's episode of Belief Beat. Um, We should have another one coming out next week. So come back often for more conversations with people that matter about things that matter. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you all for listening. God bless everyone.